Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. Welcome to the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast. Just for the opportunity to be able to share this morning uh, what I believe is on my heart for, for us. Um, we love what Joshua Nations does. Uh, I work for a church in Colorado Springs, and uh, I'm the executive pastor of Outreach. And Joshua Nations has been one of our, our long-standing partners for, for the last year and uh, for the last couple of years. So what you guys do is exceptional. So do we just want to say thank you very much for, for picking up the assignment of Joshua Nations and the vision and, and running with it and running with it well. Uh, we are just proud and um, to be associated with Joshua Nations. So, and thank you for the Wednesday mornings for the input that you guys give. Uh, we moved to the U.S. in 2018 uh, to assume the position of outreach at New Life Church. And uh, so far, it's been fun, uh, enjoying it, uh, getting to know so many people. But a little bit of my own journey is that I have found myself in seasons of my life being in business and then in ministry, and, and sometimes with both legs in both industries at the same time, pastoring part-time and then also doing business. And, and what I have found is that there's a lot of Christian organizations and churches that really need a few good business principles. If you think of finances, 10 minus 12 is minus 2. I don't care if you work for a Christian organization or for a non-Christian organization. If we can't do the math around finances, I don't care if you pray or if you fast, if you spend more than you get in, that principle still stays. And then I've also noticed a lot of businesses that need Christian principles, biblical principles, to be able to, to, to accomplish kingdom work through business. So this morning, what I actually want to do is share just one principle, and we're going to unpack it a little bit, that, that I believe is relevant for all organizations. Uh, so if you, if you run a nonprofit, or if you run a Christian organization, or maybe you're in a place where you, your economic engine is maybe business for your ministry. I do believe that, that this morning is, is going to help you and, and focus on something that I believe is super, super important. So my title is How to Kill and Destroy Your Current Organization. Now, of course, that's not what I want to accomplish today. I want to actually accomplish exactly the opposite. But, but here is a truth that we just need to be aware of. How many of you know that exercise is important by raise of hand and confession? Okay. How many of you know that we need to eat healthy and we need to take care of our bodies? How many of, how many of us do that on a regular basis? Okay. That's personally, <laughs> it's personally one of my own battles, you know, the whole health issue of how do we stay healthy? But, but, but here is the thing that we sometimes miss. If we say that we're not eating good or we're not getting enough exercise, let's just use those two things. When we don't do it, we sometimes will just tell ourselves and say, oh, I'm not exercising and I'm not eating healthy. But 
But what you're actually pursue, doing, you're pursuing the opposite. Because by not eating healthy and not exercising, what you're actually pursuing is hypertension, uh, cholesterol, blood pressure. So it's not just about not doing something. It's actually when we don't do that, you're actually pursuing something else. And I want to pull this through this morning to a, a principle for an organization that's, that, that says if, if we're not growing, if your organization is not growing, you're not just not having a growing organization. You're actually having an organization that's dying or doesn't have life. So as leaders, I think it's super important that we focus and make sure that our organizations are growing. Because if it's not growing, it's not that we just don't have a non-growing organization. We're actually, actually leading an organization to something called not life or death. And it's easy to measure growth. Uh, for some of us, it can be numeric. How many people have you reached? How many books have you distributed? Uh, so I do think it's important that we do not shy away from measuring numbers. Is numbers the only way we can do that? No, surely not. But I think if you lead an organization or if you lead a ministry, it will be super important for you to have a dashboard to say, these are the elements that I'm going to look at to make sure I have a growing, healthy organization. Because if I don't have a growing, healthy organization, I'm actually leading an organization that's going to die eventually if I don't do something differently. So that dashboard might look different for, any, for, for all of you, depending on what kind of organization or what kind of ministry you have. But I do think it's important. It's like, it's like taking a pulse. Uh, when you go to the doctor, uh, they say they're going to take your vitals. doesn't matter what's wrong with you. They take your blood pressure. They feel if you have a pulse. And that's normally a good indication if you're alive or not. Uh, they start with the vital. Say, let's just make sure these things are in place before we look further into your health situation. So a question I want to leave with you is what's your dashboard? And if you don't have a dashboard, you should have one. And it might not only be numbers. Maybe it's influence. Maybe it's favor. Uh, maybe it's just... It's different things that you can measure for yourself to make sure that you have a, a growing organization. And then I also believe it's very important, and we've heard this say many times over, that the growth or the health of your organization is determined by the leader. It's determined by you. So if you want to make sure that you have a growing organization and a healthy organization, you need to make sure that you're growing on a personal level. How are you growing your capacity, uh, your leadership capacity? And because that will determine either stifle or encourage and be a catalyst for the growth of your organization as well. This is our topic this morning in, in how do we grow? How do we grow our leadership capacity? And I think before we jump into some, some finite principles, I want to make sure that we also understand this, that sometimes just think of nature, think of seasons, winter, southern, uh, summer, fall, or herfs for those in South Africa, that, that sometimes when you look at a plant or you look at a tree, 
it looks pretty dead, but it's only in a place of resting. And by the next season, that tree will bear much fruit or it will have many leaves. And I think it's also important for us as leaders to determine is the fact that your organization might not be growing, is it a season that you find yourself in or is it actually a condition that you find yourself in? Uh, and I think it's evident if if, you're, if you go through another summer and seasons change, but you don't bear fruit or a, a, a part of your organization don't bear fruit or an initiative that you started doesn't bear fruit, at some point we will need to ask the hard questions to say, was this a season or is it a condition? And that is something only you can determine for yourself. To be in a season of rest, to be in a season where you wait, that's good and that's biblical too. But if we stay in that season, it, it, it might become a problem that we need to get out of it and also get into a summer season where we bear much fruit. So I just wanted to make sure that, that we all understand that. Um, and then what I would like for us to do, speaking about this specific topic, is to look at the life of David. David, for me, is a, a biblical person that the leadership capacity has jumped tremendously. If you think of David being a shepherd in a field somewhere, up to being a king of a nation, and not just being a, a normal king, but a king in such a way that God said, this is a man after my own heart. He led this nation very, very well. There's a tremendous transformation a tremendous increase in capacity from, from taking care of sheep to taking care of a nation. There has been a massive jump. There's been a massive growth in his own leadership capacity. And I think it will be worth our while to look at David's life and to establish why did David have such a great jump in leadership capacity? Why was he able to grow in his leadership in such a way? So, what I would like for you to do, think of this question and maybe in the chat box quickly, tell me what do you think? Why do you think David had such a massive jump from being a shepherd to being a national leader or a national king? Simplicity? Uh, Jason, what do you mean by that? For example, this is the, the, the little, little boy at home working in the father. Forget him when the... the the guy comes to, to oh, I will uh, new anointing for one of our son. Help the, 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 his brother in, in the, the front, in the, yeah. the war. Uh, and decided help the, the, the army there. So simplicity in this guy. Okay, I like that. So simplicity. He just kept doing what he was supposed to do. Uh, we also have here, he, he was pursuing God when nobody saw him, all right? He didn't pursue God for, for what he could get out of it. There was an anointing on his life from Sam. Everett from Uganda, I think it's because he learned to depend on God. Yes, yes, definitely. Anybody else? David was able to develop a truly intimate relationship with God. Very true. So it's about the relationship, simplicity, anointing. Let's do one more. Anybody else? Why were David able to jump from a shepherd boy to a national leader? One more. 
Opportunity. Okay, I like that too. Uh, I think I'm actually going to stop there because I think that fits very nice with what I want to go to next time. There was an opportunity for David to exercise what and what he learned. So yes, I agree with you. There was there was anointing on his life. He trusted the Lord. Uh, he pursued the Lord. But David did something when there was an opportunity to show his leadership where he met Goliath. David was actually solution orientated. All the nations, he's, he's, all his brothers were sitting, hearing Goliath mocking God and mocking their nation. And what the other people did was, oh, Goliath is too big. Goliath has too much skill as a, as a warrior. Uh, we will never win. We're never going to make it. And where, where they were problem orientated, David came and said, but wait, there's a solution. We need to take Goliath out because if we take Goliath out, we will be able to remove an obstacle for the nation of Israel to be victorious. And one of the things he took that opportunity to, to be solution orientated. So I truly believe, and all of these other things are correct. I, I believe that. But as Christian leaders, as organizational leaders, I think it will be very important for you that you'll need to be solution-driven, that you'll need to move from a place of concern to compassion. I know of many people, you know, they will read something on the news or something will happen and they'll be like, ah, shame, that's terrible. And then there's other people that says, that's terrible, but they get in the cars and they do something about it or they send money or they send people. And, and it's easy to be concerned about an issue but it's, it's another animal to have compassion in such a way that you actually take action on it. So for us as leaders and leading organizations, I think it will be very important to be like David, where we're solution orientated, where we don't just hear about problems, where we don't just hear about the Goliaths in your, in your city or in your nation, but that you actually do something about those problems. That, yes, we trust God and we pray about it and God gives us creativity and God's anoints us for it. But, but you're going to need to take an action step as it pertains to creating solutions for your nation and for your organization. And that was the one thing after David did that, when he, when he actually stood up against the problem and he became the solution through God, that is what catapulted. David from being a shepherd boy, from a person that just brought some cheese and meat, or I don't know what they ate, to his brothers. I mean, that, that's why he got to the battlefield, was only to feed his brothers. But yet that was the place because of his solution orientation and his belief in God that something can be done, that this issue should be changed because he acted upon it. He used the opportunity to act upon it that catapulted him into being king of the nation. So what I would like to do is take a couple of minutes and, and unpack the story of David to, to see a little bit more why he was able to be so solution-orientated and what can we as leaders learn from this in order to be uh, solution-orientated. So number one, David was very faithful. We cannot be so solution-orientated. Now, this might almost sound counter, counter uh, to what I've just said, but, but if you're always in the future 
and never faithful with what God has given you at the moment, you cannot be found faithful and you'll probably not be able to solve this, the problems that's coming up. Somebody said this, the simplicity. David was in the field. He was being faithful with what God has given him. Uh, he was there and, and even taking care of sheep is probably not the most fun thing ever, but David was faithful with what God has given him. So as leaders, as organizational leaders, you already have a plate of initiatives or programs that you have at the moment. If you want to be a solution-orientated leader, make sure that you do not neglect what God has given you at the moment, that you need to be faithful with what you have, because Scripture is also very clear. If we're faithful with a little, God will appoint us over much. So in order for God to appoint you, and give you an opportunity to address the next problem or the next issue or to find a solution, you've got to be faithful with what you have. Uh, in South Africa, we build houses with bricks. We're not in America like they build with wood. We build it with bricks. And, you know, you can only put a brick on top of another brick. Bricks doesn't fly in the air. And sometimes if you want to increase your leadership capacity, and maybe you're in a place where you say, Lord, what is next? What is this next thing you want me to accomplish? What is the next problem we can attack? And, and what's the next ground and, and place we can possess for you? You need to make sure that the bricks at the bottom is very stable, that it's built well. So I want to encourage you, even as you pursue in growing your organization, as you pursue growing your leadership capacity, do not neglect what God has given you at the moment. Do not forget what God has given you, but stay faithful with that. And if that includes hiring another person, getting in skill set, whatever that might look like for you, but, but just be sure that you don't focus so much on what is next that you neglect on what God has given you at the moment. The second principle, I believe, is that we need to be value-driven. Now, value, I'm not speaking here about monetary value. I'm speaking about values. Uh, I, when, I, when I read the story of David, when he heard Goliath speak those things against God, something inside of him got a little bit angry. Uh, there was a value that was, was bumped against in his own heart. The, the value David had was God is God and nobody will speak against him. He carried that value and that conviction of who God is. And when he heard somebody speak against that, there was an arrangement and an anger. And many times what's next or where God wants to grow our leadership capacity is based on your values. Um, what you believe is right on your own internal justice system. So I think it will be very important for you and it will be beneficial for you to have an awareness of what's your values. What is those values that if those things are going to be crossed over or bumped into, you're going to say no to that. And that, will, that could indicate where God is wanting to use you next, where the value of life, sanctity of life, sex trafficking, there's a value that says people will not be, will not be treated that way, that that's wrong. The way people are handled in prisons, there's maybe a value in you that says, no, that's not right. And, and that's the place of where God is wanting to use you because of that value system uh, like David. That builds into the next one that if you want to know how to grow 
your leadership capacity, I would love for you to be attentive to what enrages you. Sometimes getting mad isn't bad. (laughs) You know, the Bible says, when you get angry, do not sin. It doesn't say you'll never get angry. It just says, make sure you don't sin. And I do believe that, that sometimes anger is also an indication of where God w- wants to use you. That you hear something, you see something, you read an article in your nation or what somebody has done, and something here in the inside says, no, that is wrong. And, and there's a little bit of anger and enragement that comes up and say, I will not stand for that. I will make sure that this issue or this situation will be changed. And, and many times that passion or that anger can, can help us to take action. It shouldn't be in the sin side. We shouldn't do wrong. But it does give us energy to take next steps and, and, and an action step in what God shows us. So, so don't always despise anger as wrong. Rather take those things that you feel angry about See it as as something you feel that's wrong and and ask the Lord, Lord, the reason why why I feel angry about this issue, the reason why I feel a little bit frustrated about this issue, are you showing me that we need to do something about this? If I see David, David, David was angry. David was, you will not speak to my God like this. You will not speak to my people like this. And, And part of that enragement got him to take the next steps in order to act upon what he believed was his value system uh, and what he believed about God. Uh, the second thing is what you have is enough. And I think sometimes as leaders and, and leaders being on a national level, um, I, I come from South Africa uh, and being in the U.S., just in terms of resources, finances, buildings, it looks so much different than what I'm used to in Africa. And I think for leaders and being on an international platform, I think it's very easy for leaders to say, if I only had this, if I only had that, if I was only able to to attain this, I can do this. And, And we wait because we think we don't have what it needs to change our situation or to change the place that we're at. If I look at David's life, David's skill level was was um, five stones and a really what is a slinger fell in English? I forgot. Slingshot. Sorry, Slingshot. I, I just Hi, lost the Katie. word. Katie. <laughs> David had a slingshot and then five stones. Honestly, ladies and gentlemen, is that enough to kill a giant? It's not. <laughs> in our own mind and in our own capacity, that's really not enough to kill a giant. Five loaves and a couple of fish is not enough to feed thousands of people. But if we give it to the Lord, that suddenly becomes exactly what we need to overcome the problem. So if you want to increase your leadership capacity, stop thinking about what you don't have. Stop thinking about, man, if I could only have this and what about this? Start thinking about what you have. Even if we take the... The, the lady in the Bible that said, I have a little bit of oil and a little bit of maize. This is probably just enough to eat once and then die. And yet the prophet comes and say, no, no, no. What you have is exactly enough in God's hands to multiply and actually get you out of the situation 
where you found yourself in. So I want to really encourage you to, to take some time with the Lord and say, Lord, increase my leadership capacity. Help me to grow my organization, not by focusing on what I don't have, but help me to focus on what I have. What is your five stones? What is your slingshot? What is your strategic positioning that's unique to you that in the hands of God can really kill the Goliaths in your nation, in your community, in your city, and you become solution-orientated with what you have and not by what you don't have? So I think that's also a very, very important principle that please be reminded of this, that the gifts you have, the skill set you have, your life up to this point, the experiences that you have has formed you to become the man and woman that you are today. And the man and woman you are today is exactly what God is wanting to use for the future. The, the principle number five is expect the supernatural. We're not doing this by ourselves. We're not doing this alone. Uh, even if you take your five little stones and you take your slingshot, expect God to do something supernatural for you. Um, we are co-laborers with Christ. That, that, that's what, what's the, what the Bible tells us, that, that we're not alone, uh, that he gives us wisdom, he gives us insight, he gives us favor. He will make divine connections. Uh, you'll get a dream tonight or whatever it might be, but, but don't feel that it's only up to you. But when we take what we have to the Lord, where we take who we are at this moment, trying to address a solution or a problem, trying to come up with solutions for a problem, we can expect God to multiply. And our God is the only God that can create out of nothing. So five stones is more than enough. <laughs> a slingshot is more than enough. Because even if you had nothing, which you don't, God can even use that to create. So I really want to encourage you to, as you pursue growing your leadership capacity, as you, you, you ask the Lord to show you what are some of these, how can you become more solution-oriented? What are some of the problems you can tackle on his behalf? Know that God steps in and it helps us. And then lastly, I want to close out with this. As we're being solution-oriented, as you're growing your leadership capacity, expect opposition. Expect opposition from other Christians. Here we had Saul that was supposed to celebrate with David uh, the nation just won, but yet there was a spirit of jealousy, a, a spirit that came in and said, I mean, he literally tried to kill David at some point. Uh, and so when we do this, when, when we're all full of boldness and full of God's spirit and we're growing our leadership capacity and, and we're tackling the next problem and we, we think we're making progress for God and for his kingdom where it is, don't be surprised that you will get and an experience opposition. Just be aware of it. Don't let it stop you. Don't let it put you off. Stay in a place of forgiving. The Lord says we need to forgive so many times per day that it's almost scary. But, but stay loose. Don't hold on to things. But stay focused on your assignment. Stay focused on increasing your leadership capacity. Stay focused on growing your organization and the influence of God's kingdom in your nation, in your city, or where you might find yourself. So I wanted to close with this. My prayer is that, that, that where you find yourself, what you have, you will give into the hands of the Lord, that he will make you sensitive to what he wants you to address, 
uh, in your circle of influence, in your city, in your community, and that together Joshua nations will increase the leadership capacity and establish God's kingdom in, in many, many spheres of life. And many people will come to Christ because of what you do through your organizations and by growing your leadership capacity. Thank you for listening to the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast. We hope you are encouraged and challenged with today's message. For more from Joshua Nations, visit our website, joshuanations.org. Thank you.